The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, thank you. Welcome, welcome. Thank you very much. A special welcome to those of you in Cafe Church and Kingsgate, Cambridge. It really is my pleasure to be able to share with you this morning on the final instalment of this sermon series looking at Psalm 23. Over the past few weeks, we've been looking at this amazing psalm, looking at how God, who is depicted as a shepherd, how he provides for us, how he restores, refreshes, renews, he leads and guides us, looks after us, all good things that a good shepherd would do for their sheep, God does for us. And as we come to look at the final two verses of this psalm, I want to look at how they point towards not so much the role of a shepherd, but to the nature of of the shepherd. I want to look at God's nature, his character, to stir up faith today as we look deeper into the truth of who he is and as a result, how we are to live. Now, when we talk about somebody's nature, we say it's in their nature to do this, that, or the next thing. Usually what we're referring to uh, is somebody's inner kind of qualities or characteristics they might display. When we say it's in their nature to do that, Usually what we're saying is they're doing something they they can't help but do. Now, my wife, Chrissy, um, is a lawyer. And uh, she's a very, very good lawyer. And and I can confidently say that because we met whilst at university together. We were studying law. uh, And uh, she won uh, an annual debating competition. And uh, while we were there, I knew that this was the woman I was to spend the rest of my life with. um, And in turn, lots lose lots of debates to as well. Um, The amount of rom-coms and chick flicks I've watched, because when it's come to debating over what film to watch, uh, I I inevitably lose. Um, In fact, I've been on the receiving end of of many, how should we say, cross-examinations, when Chrissy's gone to the chocolate drawer of our house, um, only to find that somebody has raided it. But anyway, uh, the reason why we're looking at God's nature today is we're looking at him uh, as the good shepherd. Throughout the whole of the psalm, we see things that God can't help but do. And these are particularly true for the final two verses today. We see the nature of God, the goodness of God, come through in these final two verses. So I want us to read these verses together. Wherever we are gathered, let's read this out together nice and boldly. After three, one, two, three. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. 
my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, whether you've been a Christian for many, many years, or whether this is the first time you've ever been in a church service, I believe, I'm so encouraged that you're going to be encouraged today as we look deeper into the nature of God, who is the Good Shepherd. And as I was praying ahead of today and praying for you, I really had a rise of faith that every single one of us is going to get a new perspective of who God is, and as a result, it will dramatically change the way we live our lives. So are you up for that? Great. Well, let's see how then the goodness of God comes through in these final two verses. Firstly, the thing is this. He serves us. He serves us. Now, up until uh, this verse, verse 5, David has been using the analogy of a shepherd and their sheep. But now he suddenly changes to a host and their guests. As we read in verse 5, He says this, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. So why does David change the analogy from a shepherd and their sheep to a host and their guests? Well, on one level, it's almost as if this analogy of a shepherd and their sheep isn't going to get across the goodness of God for David. He has to use a different analogy in order to describe and and explain the sheer goodness of this shepherd. Uh, Because here we see that what David means with a host hosting their guests, when he says, you prepare a table before me, what it meant in that culture was actually you prepare a meal before me. Now you might say, well, what is so so special and good about preparing a meal, particularly in our culture today, you know, where it's very easy uh, to make food, isn't it? Although you might say that, I still struggle very much so with this. One of my friends recently said to me, Josh, you're the only person I know who, when you prepare food, people don't just say grace before they eat, but they also pray after they eat as well. Um, But anyway, that aside, uh, this is so staggering because here in this culture that David's writing to, Uh, The host wouldn't be the the person who prepares and serves the food. It would be the custom of the family servants to do just this. The the host would provide the food, but they wouldn't necessarily prepare it. A modern day example might be a king or a queen or head of state hosting a formal banquet, inviting lots of world leaders to come and gather. You know, it would be expected of the host to, to host and meet and greet uh, you know, everybody there. But you wouldn't expect you know, the queen to keep dashing in and out of the kitchen, preparing the food and then serving it as well. It wouldn't be her role to do that. But that's what David is saying here about God. He's saying God chooses to take on the very form of a servant for us. Just get this for a moment. The God of the universe chooses to prepare a table for us. Now, why is this so important? Well, the way in which we view God directly impacts the way in which we view life. You could put it another way and say the way in which we approach God directly impacts the way we approach life. And this is true for every single person who has ever lived. And the sad reality is that for for many of us, we can sometimes think that we approach God thinking he's there saying, come and serve me, do this and do that, then you'll be accepted. But the wonderful truth is, in fact, when we go to God, he's saying, I've prepared a table for you. He's saying, come in, that I might serve you. And it gets even better than that, because here David goes on to say, you anoint my head with oil, my cup 
overflows. In that culture, this would be the supreme act of hospitality. This is like true VIP treatment. Now, I don't know what your experience, if I were to say to you, imagine a VIP experience, what would come to your mind? Maybe some of you might think uh, it would be a luxurious holiday, uh, going to a tropical destination where you're going to be waited upon all the time. Maybe for others, it might be hanging around with uh, your favorite celebrities, living their lifestyle for a bit. For me, it would be going to a sporting event. You know, if I were to imagine a VIP experience, it would most certainly be for me to go to the center of the universe and the home of football. Old Trafford, which is the home of Manchester, not City, but Manchester United. I would go there and sit in one of the boxes. I would enjoy a meal before the game, maybe meet some of the players, meet some of the Manchester United legends, meet the manager and give him a few tips as well. Um, And then I'd watch the match unfold as Manchester United absolutely destroy Manchester City. Come on, that would be my experience. Um, Whilst I'm up here, I'm going to make the most of it. Come on. I have to sit in Leicester every single week and hear about Manchester City this and Manchester City that. Well, today it's Manchester United. Come on. (laughs) But anyway, that being said, I'm not going to milk it too much. Um, The reason why this is so important for us is what God does here is, believe it or not, even better than that. Because here, anointing somebody's head with oil would be something of supreme expense. It would be something incredibly expensive. Um, Basically, God is pulling out all the stops here. The host is pulling out all the stops in order to honour, in order to welcome and love this guest, in order to welcome and love and honour us. David goes on to say, my cup overflows. And I love the imagery here. It's almost like there's a hovering waiter there. You know, every time David uh, takes a sip of his cup, his cup is immediately refilled. And I love the, the picture of the host. They're so exuberant with joy and love, wanting to, to bless and honour their guest that they're letting that almost get the better of them. And they pour the drink out so much that it overflows. It's a wonderful picture of abundance. What's happening here is we're saying God is is wanting to bless. He's wanting to pour out his favor and blessing so much into our lives that it might overflow into the lives of those around us. You know, as Christians, we believe we know God as our father, don't we? And I like to think of this um, passage, think of this image really of a perfect parent, a perfect father hosting for their children, you know, wanting to love them, wanting to look after them, wanting to provide and give them the very best. And the picture of the children just as they learn to trust in the goodness of their father and trust in his ways and obey him and follow him, know that his way is the best way, they know that their lives are made complete as a result. You know, I myself, I've grown up in a Christian household. I grew up going to church um, every single Sunday. Uh, But whether you've grown up in church or whether you haven't, um, there's a point in your life where your faith must become your own. And for me, it happened when uh, I was in my late teens at university. And uh, around that time, before this kind of happened for me, I remember going to church. I remember worshipping, reading my Bible, praying, but never really getting a a sense of joy and, and real satisfaction out of it. I remember I was almost like going through, through the motions, so to speak. But then I heard a great talk about this, about how God doesn't want to judge and condemn and, and make us feel guilty, but actually wants to welcome us, to honour us and love us and accept us. I remember how that began a process for me, how I, I changed my approach to God and it changed my approach to life. When I went to church, I didn't go to church based on on fear. I went on based on faith and expectancy that I was going to meet with God. 
Whenever I'd worship, I'd do so not from a place of feeling judged, but from a place of joy and exuberance and passion and zeal. Whenever I would serve God as well, serve God, serve the church, serve others, I would do so not from a place of duty, but from a place of sheer delight. Whenever I would read the word, read my Bible, I knew that he was hovering. I knew that he wanted to speak to me by the power of his Holy Spirit. I knew that whenever I would pray, he would be attentively listening to me. Whenever I would speak, he would want to listen to me. See how that changes everything when we approach God in this way. Now David uh, goes on to say in this passage, he says, this feast will take place in the presence of my enemies. Now that's astonishing, isn't it? In the presence of my enemies. How can we enjoy a meal like this in the presence of enemies? Well, David's saying here, in fact, that, that when we go through difficulties, the hassles and stresses, different seasons of life, God's goodness will always prevail. His goodness will always prevail no matter what we are going through. Notice David doesn't say in this passage, he doesn't say we, we have this meal, he prepares this meal for us in the absence of our enemies. He says in the presence of our enemies. So often in life we can think we need to kind of run away from our problems. In order to receive true peace and, and joy and, and satisfaction, we need to just get away from all of our problems. And it leads to kind of a, an escapist, almost like defeatist mentality to life. But I love what one of my favourite preachers and, and pastors, second to Dave Smith, of course, um, says on this, a guy called Tim Keller. He says that true satisfaction, peace and fulfilment comes not in the absence of conflict, but comes in the presence of God. So that means, what he's saying there is that no matter what we go through in life, you know, we'll go through difficulties, we'll go through different seasons, but his goodness will always prevail. It means that in the very presence of your enemies, you will succeed. You will triumph. It means that we can speak to that fear that you might be facing in your life and say, watch me live in confidence and boldness. It means that you can speak to that anxiety and peace that might be coming and attacking you and say, why don't you watch me live in the peace that I've got through the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. Why don't you, you can say to that sin and that shame that might be plaguing your mind and say, watch me live in the purity of Christ. It means you can look, say to that regret and, uh, and past kind of like condemnation. Why don't you watch me live in freedom that's bought for by Jesus Christ. It means that we can say to our ultimate enemy, the ultimate enemy, death itself, we can say, why don't you watch me live in the fullness of life that Jesus Christ has paid for me now and forevermore. This is the truth of our good shepherd. His goodness will always prevail. He's the good shepherd who serves us. Isn't that amazing? So point number one, he serves us. Secondly, he pursues us. He pursues us. Now David reverts back here to shepherd imagery. He moves now from a host and their guests to a shepherd and their sheep again. In verse 6 he says this, Surely your goodness and love will follow me. Now when we think of shepherds and their sheep. Usually shepherds have sheepdogs, don't they, that kind of accompany them, that help them kind of round up and look after and protect the flock of sheep. 
Um, I myself grew up with a sheepdog, a border collie called Ben, and uh, from the ages of, uh, age of 10 around to my early 20s, I grew up uh, with Ben. He was a great dog, a fascinating dog as well, because border collies, sheepdogs, if you don't know, they're very, very intelligent. They're the smartest breed of dog. They're also incredibly loyal and incredibly uh, hardworking as well. They never, never stop. Now, why am I telling you this? Well, in preparation for today, I was reading a commentary on this passage, and I loved what one commentator said. Uh, they, they kind of had an ingenuity about this. They said that God, who is the good shepherd, he has two sheepdogs that accompany him. One of them is called goodness, and the other one is called love, and they pursue us. Goodness basically means pleasant. It means beautiful. It means kind. It means morally right. Who wouldn't want that following you? in your life. And love basically means grace. It means mercy. It means loving kindness. What an an astonishing statement this is, a huge statement to make. Surely your goodness and love will follow me. Now sometimes we can read these passages and and we can see that, you know, they're great, you know, what a what a great statement that is. But you know there's a real richness and a depth to it as well. Sometimes we can skim over. And I want to focus on this one word follow. Follow here. Because in the original Hebrew language, that that word is radaf, uh, which is a Leicester kind of pronunciation of it. Um, But this radaf, it will see it on your sermon notes there. It means to to pursue, to chase after, to hunt you down. I love that image. God wants to hunt you down with his goodness and with his love. Isn't that amazing? So this means, therefore, that God isn't just going to follow us kind of passively. He's following us passionately with his goodness and his love. This isn't something that's just temporary, kind of like one day on, one day off. No, no, he's relentless in his pursuit of us with his goodness and with his love. So he's so focused on chasing us. You know, many people think that God's out to kind of get them. <laughs> no, no, he's out to give to you. He wants to give his goodness and his love to you. And let me tell you, no shadow of death can ever overshadow the goodness and love that will shadow your life if you put your faith and trust in the Good Shepherd. You know, you might be going through a difficult season at the moment in life, or you might just be frustrated, maybe, in life at the moment. But let me tell you and encourage you, if you put your faith and trust in the Good Shepherd, such is his nature, he'll lead you into goodness. It will always be for your good and for his glory. Trust in his goodness. He wants to bless you more than, more than you want to be blessed. You know, he's, he's so good. He wants to pour out his goodness and love to you that he pursues you passionately. If you're in the wilderness, his goodness and love are going to hunt you down. If you're hurting at the moment, his love's going to come and, and, and console you and comfort you. If you're on your own, if you're feeling lonely at the moment, his, his love and goodness will come and hold your hand. No matter what season you're in, his goodness and love are pursuing you passionately. So what does this mean practically then for us? Well, I'd really encourage you to get a hold of that word, radaf. And actually, you know on those Psalm 23 cards that that we have, um, maybe that's placed in your office at work or on your desk or in your car or at home on the fridge, why don't you write that word next to the word follow, radaf. Write that down and speak it out over your life, over, over the week ahead. What have you got coming up? Is it days at work, days at home, days studying or or revising at the moment? Whatever it is, 
God is pursuing you with goodness and love. He's hunting you down. I love that image. He's hunting you down with his goodness and his love. One of my favorite Christian authors, Anne Voskamp, uh, she says this on this matter. She says, no matter what is hounding you, the hound of heaven is closer. His warm breath of blessing right there on the back of my neck. I love that image. What a surprising way then to describe God. You know, sometimes in our limited human thought, we can only conceive of a God who's in one place at one time, you know, ruling and reigning uh, in heaven. And, and that is partly true. But I love what David's description here is of God. He says that he's mobile, he's active, he's chasing you down, he's hunting after you with his goodness and his love. So dare we do the same? Dare we envisage a God who is following us, who's chasing us, who's pursuing us passionately, who's wanting to win us over with his goodness and love? He's following us. You know, I'm so thankful when I look back over my own life that God has pursued me with his goodness and with his love. I'm sure many of us um, here today can say that when we look back over our lives, we can see in every decision and every kind of relationship and every job and exam, whatever we've gone through has always been, it been following us and pursuing us with passion. You know, in my life, I, I thought I was going to go on to be, to be a lawyer. When I, after I'd, I'd trained at university, I thought that law was going to be the, the place for me to go down. I remember investing time, energy, and effort uh, into courses and thinking that was the right way for me to go. And I remember it actually being quite a dark time for me because I felt like this was right for me. I was frustrated. I thought this was the right way to go. And I thought this was where I was meant to be, what I trained for, and what, what, I was, what I was designed to, to go and do. But actually, God had better plans for me. <laughs> and I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that he hunted me down with his goodness and love and said, no, no, it's not this way. It's the other way. <laughs> you know, and I'm here today. If you had told me five years ago I'd be standing here doing this, I wouldn't have believed you. But God's goodness and love hunted me down. And I can honestly say I wouldn't be, I'd rather be doing anything else with anyone else because God's goodness and love have tracked me down. And I'm so thankful for that. Even when I may have strayed off and thought I was going the way that was right, you know, God, God always chases after us. Sometimes when we mess up, you know, we think like we've let him down, but actually it no, doesn't deter him. He's always going to be relentless in his pursuit of us. No matter what we do, no matter where we go, he's pursuing us. Think of the, the shepherd imagery. You know, shepherds try to kind of round up their flock, don't they, with the sheepdogs. And if you ever watch like, you know, sheepdog trials, they try and get the, the flock into a pen, don't they, with the sheepdogs trying to guide them. And if you, if you ever see like one or two of the sheep suddenly diverge off and go off in their own direction, what does the shepherd do? He blows on his whistle and the two sheepdogs go chasing after those sheep and bring them back into the fold. You know, you might be here today and you might feel like you've strayed off path, you've wandered. And it's, it's easy to do because in our, in our culture today, we're constantly told, aren't we? This postmodern individualistic kind of culture tells us, go and find out what's right for you. Go and pursue that better life. Go and do what's right for you and what feels good for you. But can I tell you, we weren't ever designed to go off in pursuit of the better life. Because the truth is, it's the blessed life that's following us. I want to encourage you today. You know, in Genesis 3, we read about Adam and Eve, how when they first sin and they let God down, they try to hide from him, don't they? And that's what we can do sometimes. We try and hide from God and cover ourselves up and, and, and shy away from him. But what does God do? Does he just leave them to it and say, well, that's it then? No, no, he pursues them. 
And those words kind of ring out throughout the whole of human history. God says, where are you? He's pursuing you. You might feel like you've, you've wandered off and you've gone so far that you're, you're so far removed from God. Just look over your shoulder because you'll see goodness and love pursuing you passionately. Why don't you make today the day where you turn around and say, God, I know that you're the good shepherd. I know that you're going to lead me into the right places for my good and for your glory. He's so good. He's so good. But even better than that, <laughs> it's not just going to be for some days. He's not just going to pursue us for most days, not nearly all the days, but all the days of our lives. Just get that for a moment. His goodness and love are pursuing you, and they're going to pursue you all the days of your life. And it leads David to conclude by saying this, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What David is, is saying here is because of God's relentless pursuit, it means that we can dwell in his goodness, in his presence, both now and forevermore. David is basically saying here, there's no other place I would rather be than in your presence. There's no other place I'd rather be than in, in, in your goodness, with you, the good shepherd. This is where I want to be. And I love, again, that the shepherd imagery here. You know, uh, sheep can be easily startled, can't they? If you've ever walked through um, a, like a field where there's sheep, and when you start getting close to them, they, they suddenly kind of like dart off, don't they? They're easily startled. But I love the image here. It's of, of sheep who are so content, they're so happy with the, the leading, the provision, the care that they're receiving from the good shepherd, that they're not startled at all. They just want to dwell. They just want to settle in the presence of the good shepherd. Now, when David talks about the house, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. Here he's talking about the people um, or, or the flock um, or the family of the good shepherd. He's not really talking so much about a place, but about a people he wants to be with. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful to be part of this Kingsgate family, to be part of this, this flock with the loving and leading of God the Good Shepherd. And it's part of our 2020 vision, isn't it, over the next four years to commit to gathering together. Why? Because when we gather together, we experience his goodness in a new way. We experience the goodness of the Good Shepherd. And we can learn a lot from David here because here is a man who made it his one thing. Above everything else, he wanted just to dwell in the goodness of God. In Psalm 27, he says this, one thing have I asked of the Lord that, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Very similar language to Psalm 23, isn't it? In fact, that, that word dwell, both used in Psalm 23 and Psalm 27, in the original Hebrew, it can also be translated into the word return. So when David says, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, he's also saying, I want to return to the house of the Lord forever. In other words, he's saying, I've come home. I've come home. Just think about what the word home means for you. Home is usually a place where we feel loved, where we feel comfortable, isn't it? So a place where we feel maybe secure, a place where we can take the mask off and just be ourselves. David is saying home is where the good shepherd is. You know, we all have uh, our own expectations, hopes, dreams and desires. Let me tell you, they are all found and fulfilled when we're with the good shepherd. You know, right across all of our Kingsgate centres, lots of people come in and uh, lots of them say, it might be true for you here today, lots of people come in for the first time and they say, it's almost like 
I've come home. Now, why is that? Well, it's because the good shepherd is here. He is here. His presence is here as we gather together. So why don't you make it your one thing to dwell in the presence of the good shepherd forever? How can you do that? Well, do what David says here. Ask. Ask the good shepherd to come into your life because he's made himself known to us. He pursues us. And such is his goodness that it compelled him to pursue us, to come to us in the person of Jesus Christ, who when he came to earth, he he said, I've come not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many, who declared in the Gospel of John that I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for my sheep. He pursued us all the way to the cross. And through his life and his death and his resurrection, all who put their faith and trust in the good shepherd and follow him can boldly say, just like David, I'm going to dwell in your presence for all of my life and for all of eternity. Amen. So as we come to conclude um, this this message and to conclude uh, this series, I want to us to just get a greater knowledge. My prayer is for us to get a greater knowledge of the good shepherd, to know his leading, to know his love. The more we know about him, the more we'll realize how much we need him in every area of our lives. The more we'll know about him, the more we know how satisfying his presence is, how he fulfills the deep longings of our hearts. So as we kind of recap and conclude and look back over this psalm, this wonderful psalm, Psalm 23 as a whole, as a whole we can see that it's the good shepherd who provides for us so that we would lack nothing. It's the good shepherd who makes us lie down in green pastures, who leads us beside still waters, who leads us along paths of, of righteousness. It's the good shepherd who, no matter what, what dark valleys we go through, he'll lead us, he'll guide us, and we will always triumph when we're, win, when we're with him. It's the good shepherd whose very nature is to serve us, to pursue us with goodness and love so that we can boldly declare, just like David, we're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Come on, let's pray together, shall we? Father God, I want to thank you that you are the good shepherd. Lord, we are so grateful. We're so grateful for your goodness. Lord, I pray for every single person here today that they would know you as the good shepherd. Some maybe for the first time, for others to get a new revelation of your goodness. Lord, we thank you that you serve us and you pursue us with your goodness and with your love. You'll pursue us all the days of our lives. And as we put our faith and trust in you, we can say we're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.